Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything live call-in show. I'm your host, William Lou. Joined as always, fellow co-host Josh Hart. Josh, what's going on? My parents, thankfully... Um, are doing well. I'm excited about reopening, but how are you doing, Will? I'm doing great, man. Feeling, well, I don't know if I'm doing great, but relatively speaking, I'm doing pretty well. Um, this is a week for the Raptors coming up. We've got five games, so obviously it'd be working quite a bit, but, um, you know, I don't know, man. The Rap- are, are the Raptors stressing you out, or are, are you past that point this season where you're just like, yo, if they make the playing tournament, you're cool with it. If they don't, you're cool with it. Are they still stressing you out at this point? No, I don't. I think I kind of like that the Raptors have perfectly landed what my expectations are. And if they slightly exceed or slightly go below, it won't really make any difference. The Raptors are going to draft around the end of the lottery. If, yeah, around the end of the lottery. Um, so it's kind of who cares? Like they play, the, they play in the tournament, they get to, I, I forget who's in the seventh or eighth, they play Charlotte or something. Cool. They don't. I think the Raptors offseason, it's going to be really exciting and the most exciting one in a long time. And I'm pretty confident that the six guys who are going to be with the team next year are fine. And like, I'm happy with the way they look. I don't know. Is there anything really to be. The only thing that's going to be upsetting is the like Kyle Lowry leaving rumor mill spinning back up. That's going to suck. But other than that, I'm good. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, uh, I've already seen a vocal segment of the fan base already advocating for Kyle to move to the bench, Kirk Gary to start, and um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be fun to deal with that. I mean, look, listen, what, what, no matter what happens with Kyle, I think I'm kind of at peace with all of it, do you mean? Like, I think this this was the one year we sort of took a step back, really, like, reevaluated everything, and obviously the season being trash was was a huge factor in that, but just like... I think no matter which direction the Raptors move in, I'm kind of cool with it. Like, I, I am looking forward to a fresh start, you know what I mean? Hopefully, 
Everything yes. in Ontario will be sorted out by then, which, you know, big if. There is still, like, a very strong uh, travel caution warning from the States to go to Canada. So we'll see how that's yeah. worked out and if that is worked out by the end of when the season starts up again, which is probably next October or this October, which, um, yeah, because that would be terrible if the Raptors had to play another season away from home. Because we're already seeing it with, like, TFC. They're playing away from home. We're seeing it with the Jays. They're playing away from home again. So, you know, last what we don't want to see is the situation repeated. And hopefully the Raptors can have, like, a semi-normal year next year. But, uh, yeah. In the meantime, though, this thrilling playing race that we alluded to. So the Raptors currently are the... 12th seed. Wow. I mean, we're t- we're technically tied with the Bulls in record for 11, but the Bulls have the tiebreaker over the Raptors. So the Raptors are the 12th seed at the moment. We're only two games back of the Washington Wizards, who have won eight in a row. That's kind of amazing. And yeah, I don't know if the Raptors will make the tournament. Uh, if I had to ask you now, if the Raptors are going to make the playing tournament, are you saying yes or no? This week looks tough. Uh, I don't know. It, the Raptors could definitely get some breaks with the teams that they're playing resting guys and not wanting to um, play everybody, and that helps the Raptors' cases, chances a lot. Um, but I think, yeah, by this time next week, like after the Lakers, and we'll kind of know if the Raptors have any shot at making the tournament. My guess is no. I think that the Lakers will especially be trying to work their guys back after the time missed by AD. Um and, like, AD against this Raptors team is going to be tough to watch. Um, expect him to, you know, have a great headline. Dave McMenamin is going to be tweeting uh, AD's back on the next Sunday night. But I don't know. I think I think it's going to be over. I think the season will be over in those quotation marks by this time next week. I feel like a couple of weeks ago you circled this week on the calendar saying, the, depending where the Raptors are coming in and going out of this week, you kind of know. What happens? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Raptors handle their business in terms of if they wanted to compete, they need to beat all these like trash teams along the way, and they've done that. Um, really, the only games they've lost have been against the Knicks, and both games were pretty close. Uh, the second game was not as close in the final score, but was close for like three and a half quarters. Was yeah. Close for three quarters, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the circumstances are going to dictate so much. Like, it's it must be impossible to bet on, like, NBA games right now because you just never know if, like, you come into a game and then there's, like, six players resting. Like, how are you going to bet on that, really? Unless you're going to bet, like, right right after the uh, injury information comes out. But in any case, we'll see what happens. Honestly, if the Raptors can come through this stretch with, like, even a 500 record, then they have a decent chance of making it. But sometimes it's also out of their hands at this point because the Wizards are playing so well that, like, they're running away with the 10th seed. What a stupid thing to say this season. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's bring in our first caller. We got Alex on the line, uh, and they want to talk about the Raptors' center position. Alex, what's going on? How are you guys doing? Um, yeah, I think we all realized uh, this season how important the center position really is. Um, Ken Burch is pretty solid, but I don't know if he's really – what we need if we want to be super competitive. Uh, Gilly looks nice, but it's kind of a unknown. So looking at the UFA's uh, center position next season, it doesn't look too promising. I was just wondering what you guys think we should do. Um, well, I think first off, we should probably try to keep Kim and Freddie. I think 
I think at this point, like I, I like Freddy as like a development guy. He seems relatively solid. I think you can do some things um, already uh, on the court in terms of rebounding, in terms of some shot blocking. Although sometimes he is quite lost. I thought the Knicks game, for example, he was really lost, and a big part of why the bench struggled. Um, and then Ken Birch is just solid. Like I think you'd be very happy with Ken Birch as your backup center. Uh, really, I think he probably maybe would like another center that can do just a little bit more offensively than Kem can. Maybe, you know, just e- an even bigger um, role threat to the basket. Or, like, a spacing five. And it doesn't have to be someone that great. Like, I honestly think that, like, Laurie Markkinen, for example, is, like, the fourth string big right now for Chicago. Behind Vucevic, behind Thad Young, behind even uh, Daniel Tice. So, I doubt they re-sign him. Like, that could be an opportunity, even though he's an RFA. I think I'm probably looking at him as, like, a UFA because I don't think Chicago has, you know, long-term plans for him. So, even someone like that, I'd be happy with. Uh, but John Collins is out there. Probably the Hawks resign him. And then uh, Jared Allen. Yeah. Probably the Cavs resign him, but the Raptors were linked to him before. So, what do you think, Josh? I, I think the Laurie Mar- – like, I think the Laurie Markin is going to be a Raptor. I've – you and I like – I like him. I think he's good. The beautiful blonde hair, I think it's like kind of a Toronto fit culture-wise, you know, foreign player, that whole thing. Um, I don't know if like him and Chris make a great front court, but I don't know. I kind of like having a, I kind of like having flavors of big for Nick Nurse to play with next season. If we're able to bring him in um, for, like the Raptors are going to have quite a bit of, going to have some cap spaces off season. I think like a starting five, um with Laurie Markkinen filling the center spot makes sense. And then if you have a Boucher is able to play power forward full time in his reserve minutes next year with some on a lineup where he's at the five, but have Kem and Cat Daddy Gillespie. Um, I, I kind of like <laughs> that. On, we're not calling that, for man. Bigs. Come on. Why not? You don't like Cat Daddy Gillespie? I thought I'd try it out. Who's under Cat Daddy since Kate Upton in like 2012, man? Oh my goodness. What a. That was the time. That was a real throwback. That was a time. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think that makes sense. And I think that Markkinen is going to be a target for this front office this offseason. Um, that's where I think the market. And I, yeah, I think you keep Cam, you keep Freddie G. Um, Chris Boucher is able to play power forward full time. It's kind of nice. Like, I, I think that works. I don't feel bad about that in any way. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about Rashawn Holmes? I'm not exactly sure what uh, his market value is going to be. I think there's going to be a pretty competitive market for it, but I think he could be a nice fit on our team. Yeah, I like Rashawn Holmes too, a lot. Um, I know he's kind of under the radar because he's playing with the Kings and stuff like that, but I mean, he's really good. He's He's got good like physical moves around the basket. Um, defensively, I, I would probably think he, I would want a little bit more defensively out of that center position. But, I mean, if we're talking about marketing and whatever, like, he's not really going to be a huge defensive stopper at center either. Um, I, I like I like Holmes. I think he just has, like, a good ability to play around the basket. Like, if you play pick and roll, you find it to him. Even in sort of that mid-range to, like, you know, mid-post area, he's going to find a way to finish. Um, you know, he gets on the offensive glass. I, I, I like I like Rajon Holmes. Um, you know, I, I think the Kings... I mean, they probably should re-sign him. I mean, they do play him, like, a lot. So, he's, he's up to 30 minutes mm-hmm. a game. And I don't really know I mean, who the else. Kings don't have the best history of uh, re-signing people. That is true. Um, and they have some issues with that. And he's he's not restricted. He's unrestricted. So, he's he's free to go. But, 
Um, yeah, I'd be happy with yeah. Sean Holm too. I think he fits the age uh, of this team. Like he's 27, um, which is right in line with like Pascal, Fred, Kem Birch, even Boucher. Like, yeah, I, I think a two-year deal for Rashawn would be pretty nice as well. I'd be pretty happy with him. His nickname is. You guys Dunk saw man what Steph on... Curry did to him yesterday, right? Bro, that's Steph Curry, man. He'll do that to anybody <laughs> except for Fred VanVleet. <laughs> Steph Curry's done that to probably nobody else. That was, I mean, that was, yeah. Rashawn Holmes is nice, nice piece. I don't, I don't see him leaving Sacramento, but what do I know? I thought that Harrison Barnes would be gone, and he's still something that didn't bro. Work Harrison out. Barnes was looking like Kevin Durant in the first half of yesterday's game, but uh, then he became Harrison Barnes again. So, <laughs> Alex, we appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. I think if you were to limit. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Um, We'll keep it rolling. We have Shantae from Whitby. Um, Shantae, you want to join us on the show? Welcome. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, I'm a big fan of the um, William Lou Rafters Reaction uh, podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So um, just had a question about... um, since uh, William Lou seems to know a lot about um, Nick Nurse, um, whether he thought uh, Nick Nurse was throwing shade a little bit at Chris Boucher after the Nets when he said we hadn't had blocking since, um, you know, since uh, Ibaka, or whether he was just trying to, to throw shade on, on, on Baines. He wasn't trying to say anything about uh, Boucher. Um because I mean, obviously, Boucher has had five blocks before. Um, so, was it a thing, or was it not a thing? Um, I, I don't think it was that intentional. I think anytime you sort of read a headline, or basically any quote that's written out in like text, whether that's in a tweet or in a headline on YouTube or on a graphic or whatever, it always sounds. It takes a lot of the affectation and the con- like the context of the situation out of the the, the uh, what what they're saying. So it's, it sounds maybe more well, severe no, I, I was, than it is. Well, no, I, I listened to his actual like the actual interview on like on uh, on Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would I heard him say it. <laughs> no, but I think it probably was it was kind of directed at Baines, not but uh, not it not it. I think I guess he doesn't really think of him as a center. Maybe he thinks of him as more of a four, like he's supposed to be more a power forward, right? So yeah, he's not. He's talking about centers blocking, maybe. Yeah, I think. And so. Chris gets so many blocks at the three point line. That's like yeah, that's a true. weird part of his game. Yeah. And I, I wonder if he just meant mm-hmm. specifically blocking at the rim, because Chris, you know, isn't uh, okay. the most incredible meet you in the restricted zone like blogging big like he's he's not he's not Roy Hibbert yeah well I I think what the situation here is I don't think he was trying to send a message because I do the history of Nick Nurse sending messages through the media is like very direct like he's talking about you as a player he will just talk about you as a player and he's there's like a there's honestly like six or seven (laughs) examples of this in the last like two years Nick really loves to do this or not even loves to do this. He's just very honest and, and transparent when he's asked about a player that he's not satisfied with. Um, 
And I think in this situation, what's revealing is that I do think that Nick felt a sense of comfort in their defense from their centers in the last, you know, two, three weeks when they've had these two guys in um, that he hasn't had since last year. And that's what he's trying to say, because I I do think that Boucher, as much as he has games where he's had like five, six blocks and he's occasionally really, really good defensively at the rim. I think there's also lots of situations where guys are able to sort of take him off the dribble and score, even guards going through him and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously in the post, sometimes he can get worked. So, like, I don't think Nick feels absolutely secure with Boucher, even though the numbers do suggest that Boucher has been very good defensively. I don't think Nick feels that trust in him. And, I mean, we I remember, like, early in the season, like, there was a defensive possession where he put in Stanley Johnson at the end against Charlotte um, over Boucher. And he benched Boucher for Stanley. He played offense defense with a guy. And if you play offense defense with a guy, you prob- unless the guy has, like, five fouls, like, you probably don't trust the guy defensively. So I think that's honest about what he in, in, in terms of that sense. I don't think he's, he's felt security. And yeah, then the Baines thing, like that, that just goes yeah, without saying. Like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and also, I mean, Boucher obviously is a smaller guy. Like, I mean, I remember yeah, when sure. he was up against, against um, uh, Dwight Howard and it was kind of like giving like a coyote a chicken wing. Like it was like not, it didn't yeah. look good. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of, it was like a sort of a scary thing. So I can see why, and I mean, even even Adrian Griffin was like, "Oh, it's so great to have Big finally," you know, which yeah. again was, I guess, sort of shade against Wayne. Um, so it's like, a it's like, "Oh, I'm licking my lips. It's so great now that we have Big. It's been so long since we've had Big." Yeah. So yeah, I, is is Aaron Baines like crying someone? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it seems like his career is over, and his time in Toronto. Yeah. Will not be. He's not going to be. You know, drinking a tall can of Fosters, saying love that year in Tampa, and <laughs> when he's back in uh, Sydney, or I don't know where he lives. Which yeah, is, I guess it's bad. <laughs> it's tough. It, he's really been like a, one of the most unpopular Raptors I've ever, ever I remember, honestly. And there's been like Raptors who have not performed, and Baines is not the only one who has has been one of those cases, but. Yeah, wow. He's just, uh, it's been deeply unpopular this year. What can I say? Well, people really hate him. Yeah, I really hate him. Yeah, people do hate him. I, I don't, I guess. I mean, he just couldn't play. That's it. It's just what it is. Like, <laughs> And he replaced two guys who everybody loved. That That's, no, he came into the worst <laughs> yeah, possible that's... situation for him. And yeah. And I'm always reminded of what Kyle Lowry said at the beginning of the season when asked about Aaron Baines, when we were kind of excited about him, let's be real. Uh, Kyle said, my goal is to make sure he has the best year of his career. And mm, that did not happen. Mm. That did not happen. It was the opposite. But <laughs> it's kind of sad. I mean, to be honest, it's, he, meant, it's, he meant on the golf course, Will. He meant on the golf course. Oh, Jesus. Teaching him how to how, how to oh. golf. Yeah. Anyway, so. Yikes. Well, yeah. I mean, after, you know, we had lots of Baca. And I think, you know, you have think of JV, you think of Ibaka. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't replace them with him. Like, it's sad. No, no. So, yeah. All right, Shanta, we're gonna we're gonna let you All go. Right. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate the kind words. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, bye. Bye. Yeah, I mean, Bane's massive brick. Shout out to Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn, Bro, Alex Lynn looking good these days, man. <laughs> Alex Lynn looking good he, these days. He wanted to make the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> Shout out Alex Lynn, man. Shut up. All right, let, let's bring in Aziz from New York. What's, what's going on, Aziz? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? How you doing? Nice to talk to you guys. 
You guys living the dream, huh? Getting Raptors fans. Will you gonna meet you gonna meet Drake anytime soon? Have I am I gonna meet Drake anytime soon? No, I I doubt it. But um, yeah, I have walked by Drake like at least three times <laughs> at at the arena. Like with the, the media and oh the, my god, and Drake go through the same tunnel in the back. Tell so please please tell him thank you for making Giannis miss those free throws. That's my life dream. Oh. You know what? To make him know that. Yeah, he was <laughs> Drake. You know what? Honestly, people hate on Drake, and the result, the whole bandwagon thing. People are like, "Oh, look at people got salty about like, oh, Drake's gonna stand this team or that team." Like, did you see Drake's behavior throughout the entire Those two free throws? He made it up. No, but I'm just saying, like, throughout that entire run, Drake was super loyal. He was there at all the games at in Toronto. He was at all these events. He did so much for the community. Like, people gotta stop hating on Drake, man. Just because he has he has a life that everyone Pretty else sure. probably can't. Can't even dream of like. <laughs> yeah, he definitely don't, don't was hit. as happy as it could be. Exactly. Yeah. So. Bro, this man was taking pictures with Kawhi's it? mom on um, the on the parade bus. Man, this guy was doing his very best. Trust me. <laughs> he tried so hard. He tried so hard. If he had got Kawhi back, I would have a poster of Drake next to my bed every day. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, that's a different question. <laughs> um, I got two questions for you guys. Right. Uh, the first one is about Flynn. Um, quick question. Just wondering if you think that that pick, I think he was like 30 or whatever pick he was before we went into the bubble, uh, Masai obviously held off on making any big trades. Um, do you think that there was a market for that third? Well, it looks like we may have lost of these. Was there a market for that 30th pick? Um, all right. Is he's trying to get back on the line? Um, I guess, but uh, yeah, was there a market for that 29th pick? Um, probably not. No, I mean there is always a market for a pick. Don't get me wrong, but I, I do think that it didn't really hold like huge trade value. I would say um, it's turned out to be a pretty decent draft in terms of like players around this range. Like there were a pretty decent number of players that, like you know, were worthwhile. Do you know what I mean? Like, so Malachi was taken 29th. Um, you know, Peyton Pritchard at 26, you know, Emmanuel Kulke at 25, RJ Hampton's getting minutes now with uh, Denver. He was at 24. He hasn't really shown too much yet. Desmond Bain was picked 30 right after Malachi. Uh, and then Theo Maladon was taken 34th, uh, OKC. Uh, Xavier Tillman was taken at 35. Um, who else was on this list that I recognize? Sabin Lee has been pretty decent every time. He's killed the Raptors like both times. So he was picked 38. Like there were some decent players in this in this range, which is kind of what you would expect. That end of that end of the first round, start of the second round is usually when these like pretty good college players end up going. Like guys who are more experienced, yeah. like Pritchard, like Flynn, like Bain. Well, Bain not so, not so much, but Xavier Tillman was also a, a guy who's played a, a few years in college. Like that's probably where guys where you would think low upside but like high floor would go. And, yeah, in that range, you generally end up with some pretty good pros. Because it turns out if you're a good player, you're probably going to continue to be a good player. <laughs> I, I I love I love drafting for upside. It's so funny to me. Maybe just take a good player. But um, I'm not sure how much trade value there was. But, Josh, what do you, what do you think of Malachi, man? We, by the way, we've got to change Malachi's missions. He's uh, it's unfortunate. but Who did we suggest um, last time? Um, yeah, Malachi's – I think we went back to Stanley suggestions, actually. Malachi's been good. I He um... – he, I, he's got to figure out a way to be productive, 
regardless of the situation he's put in by Nick Nurse. He seems to really like starting. I mean, who doesn't? It's mm-hmm. kind of like a classic phenomenon. Um, but I think that, you know, at some point this season, I'd like to see a good shift with him and Gary Trent out on the court together um, making things happen because, you know, there's a potential that those guys are backcourt pairings next year. I think it's unlikely, but um, he's looked good with the starters. He's been great in the fourth quarter, which is cool. Like, it's always yep. good to have a guy who's able to make tough shots um, in late moments. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little... Uh, underwhelmed by the consistency given his experience in college um but it's hard to become a pro like i don't underrate that i am hoping that through the rest of the season and into next season you'll start to see him be a bit more consistent with bench units because that's probably what's in the cards for him next season um yeah but i like him like I'm, i i can find it easy to cheer for him what do you what is that broadly where you're at yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think just because he played well in college and he was really good in college, like um, it doesn't necessarily say anything about the NBA. Like, it's just such a big jump. Like, it's it's really night and day. Um, but yeah, I, I like him. The fact that you know, I totally agree with you. Like, he does need to find a way to be productive in all situations, which is not entirely on Malachi. Like, it's also on the coach to put your players in successful situations. But the thing is, coaches don't manage for one specific guy. Coaches manage for the team as a whole. And let's be real. Fred and Kyle are both way better than Malachi at the moment. So those guys are going to get their minutes. And so for Malachi to get more minutes, he would need to, A, have one of those guys leave, which is possible in the offseason. But B, like just to get better playing off the ball. So, you know, to be effective without running pick and rolls. Um, To be effective uh, moving away from the play, getting open for threes. And we're starting to see a little bit more of that of late but you're not seeing the same kind of off-ball movement you would see from Fred where he gives it up then he kind of quickly makes a cut one way or the other he takes a few steps back and you know like Fred's a great example of like what Malachi could do I know people always people might get annoyed at that comp because like Malachi's his own guy but I think the blueprint is absolutely what the Raptors are trying to apply here with Malachi and one of the things that Fred did really well is like in his third or fourth year he extended his three-point range, like, really far back. Like, so now he'll take threes that are, like, 30, 32 feet, 33 feet. And so that's something that he can do. So, um, I think for, I, I, I want to find if there's a prop bet anywhere in the world that Fred hits a logo shot next season at a big bank. I think it's going to happen. I, I think that's... I agree. Also, I think one, one thing that uh, teams should be doing is um, putting a bigger logo on the floor. You know, extending that logo, like writing a long logo so that people would be like, oh, from the logo, you know. So I do feel have, like it's yeah. different. It's yeah. the arena. Vin Baker from Alberta. Vin, what's going on, man? How you doing? Yo, Big Head Lou, better than Josh Hart. What's good, brothers? How you guys doing, man? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> what's, what's yo, good? it's all love, man. It's what's good love. in Alberta, uh, man? Why are you calling us yo, at 10 a.m. Uh, in the morning, man? Aren't you at work? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working from home, man. We work like two hours a day. You know what it is. Yeah, you know how it is. Uh, yo, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Yo, shout out to my guys on Real GM, man. Shout out to Tank Nation, World yo, Order, my sh- dogs. Salute. Shout out Real um, GM. Yo, real bro. quick, man. Real GM wanna... is violent, man. Real GM <laughs> is the most violent space in, yeah. in Raptors fandom. Let me just put that out there, all right? 
It is, it is. I'm not gonna lie, but it's it's got some quality entertainment on there. Not gonna lie, um, yeah. but you, you they know who I am. What's good though? But um, yo guys, I just want to real quickly touch on uh, Gary Trent yeah. real quick. Um, I haven't. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen a Raptors role player uh, hog the ball this much since Alan Anderson, man. Um, but I, I just want to like straight up just ask you guys like point blank. Just uh-huh. a quick question. I'm out of here. Yeah. Do you guys see a major difference between Gary Trent and like Raptors version of Terrence Ross? Like in terms of like they can't really get to the rim and they create space for a jump shot, but that's kind of the extent of their offense and if they're not hitting the jump shots kind of like what are you doing i know he's young but like what do you guys think about that comparison and i'm kind of i'm starting to think like do we really want to throw like 15 million a year at this guy when it's kind of like the dog days of the season where he's had some he's been up and down just some great games and like i kind of get nervous about those guys at the end of the season who may play well even though he's not playing that well right now going into next season with a contract, but what do you guys think about that? And I'll get out of here. Okay, so um, I wouldn't worry too much about, like, this is some sort of, like, end-of-the-season mirage. Like, this isn't Mike James in 2006 putting up, like, 25 points per game in, like, the month of April. <laughs> so he got a contract. Um, no, I mean, I, he put up the exact same numbers in Portland. Like, in uh, 41 games of Portland this season, he averaged 15 points, you know, two rebounds and assists. You know, he's averaging 16 points right now, three rebounds. And you know, an assist right now with the with the Raptors, the shooting percentages are almost the exact same. He's a little bit down on three point shooting, he's a little bit up in uh, two point shooting. So, you know, that's I, I don't I don't think this is not his ability as a player. I mean, the Terrence Ross thing, I just I think with Terrence Ross, like I really did worry about him physically. I thought he would get exploited defensively, and maybe that was at the time when the Raptors had like Demar as the other wing, so Terrence had to be like a three and D guy, and you know he's not a three and D guy. He's a three and three guy. Like he's yeah, that's really what he's gonna do. So um, he's I I trust Gary Trent defensively more than a guy like Terrence. Um, but honestly, even if Gary turns out like Terrence, it's not the worst case scenario. It's the worst case would be like you know um, he completely falls off, which I don't really see that in the future. But um, I I think you know even Terrence like Terrence is a pretty decent player like that's one of those things is you if you can get guys on a decent contract maybe they're not part of your core but they're movable right like I felt like Norm was always in that kind of space between he was kind of the core but he was also not kind of the core and eventually when the time was right you could move him and that might be ultimately the situation you end up with Gary but I also think that like Gary needs to find his role with this club and I think like you know whether that's the sixth man uh or whether that's starting like um he's gonna have to figure that out I mean to be honest I, I'd like I don't know. I just like his mentality a little bit more than Terrence. I don't know. Terrence always felt kind of like laid back to a little bit too laid back, a little bit too shy. Whereas I don't think there's anything shy about what Gary does. Um, so I don't know. That's not the greatest basketball analysis, but we haven't actually seen that much of Gary either. But I agree with you though. I, I do worry about what he's going to do with when, without his shot dropping. Cause like, you know, he hasn't done that much else elsewhere outside of scoring, but that might just be his role as well. I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm kind of. Yeah, man, same, like, I, I think the defensive. Yeah, yeah, upside ahead, is, I think the defensive upside is like uh, order of magnitude different than a guy like Norm or Terrence before him. Um, it's just been kind of a tough couple weeks. Like I, I don't know. I feel like the I've seen enough already to 
um, feel okay with him coming back. I think that the organization has succeeded with guys in that role with skill sets comparable to Gary Trent's. I just I don't think he's going to fail. I don't think that he's going to make enough money. I don't think that he's going to underperform the contract that he gets um, because he's not going to have a, like an incredible amount of leverage and he's going to have a pretty um, like well outlined role to fill. And I trust him to do the job. Like I don't think he's going to. Um, yeah, I don't. I agree with. Lowe. I don't think he's going to be firmly a core piece in the way that we look at OG Pascal and Fred. But I think he'll be a nice complimentary guy who's around. If you can flip him into something better, maybe. If not, he's going to do his job. Yeah, he's also 22 so, right now, man. Which is like he's the youngest guy on the team. I really do feel like you know if you look at age as sort of like uh, an avenue to upside, like. Yeah, I mean, he's he's literally the youngest guy on the team. They brought in like rookies, like the rookies that were singing um, Miley Cyrus songs. Like those guys are both older than Gary Trent, which is kind of funny to me, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, yo, I really appreciate the call, man. And uh, uh, what's the call, yo? You're good. Yeah, y'all take care, man. Take care. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Legend, man. Gary Trent's going to have fun in Toronto. I assume when he's uh, here in the next season sometime. Yeah. He seems like a Cactus Club all-star already. Wow, come on, man. No, I, I feel like Gary would be the kind of guy that would seek out some of the more like obscure Toronto places. You know, like that's one thing I loved about Serge was like, I mean, whatever. Serge lived in like that, uh, the hotel downtown, like Bay and whatever. And, yeah. you know, that's, like, generally speaking, the Raptors don't leave the downtown core like that. But, like, yeah, man, I, I, I like I like the fact that Sarge was, like, going to, like, Kensington Market to, like, buy, uh, what, what do you eat? Oh, cow tongue. Now, the, for, for the first ever episode of uh, How Hungry Are You with uh, with Biz Magbiambo, who's on there buying cow tongue from Sanigans. Um, and then he was going to, like, Rosan and stuff like that. So, like, you know what? Expand your territory. Listen, to all Raptors that come to Toronto in the future, like... Please leave the downtown core. The downtown core might be the most boring part about Toronto. Like, let's be real. I want Josh. What? Who's the first Raptors to be in Rexdale? Tell me this. Right Who, now. Well, I'm sure that there've been Raptors already to Rexdale, but of this core, um, well, I, I mean, aside from Lou Williams, uh, which other Raptors were in Rexdale? <laughs> Lou Williams was visiting family um, in Rexdale, bro. <laughs> yeah, he was at Kipling and uh, Dixon, uh, checking out on his. Uh, all of his cousins. Oh, um, I have no idea who's the next Raptor to go to Rexel, but I do see in my mind pictures of Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi at the Aga Khan Museum, just in like cool outfits. Um, I see that happening, and that'll be pretty tight. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's 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 good for Raptors to get a bigger, broader sense of what the city has to offer and who lives here. It's kind of like I was watching. Um, footage of patrick patterson doing one of his uh like interview shows when he would interview celebrities at cineplex about movies i'm like this is just not very cool but i don't know shout out to the team behind it it's i'm sure it was fun for patrick patterson to talk to anthony mackie um but i don't know i don't know about (laughs) what a strange crossover all right uh we're gonna bring in cedric from ottawa cedric wants to talk about uh trade Market options. Cedric, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Good. 
So I know you guys talked about like uh, Lori Markkinen being an option for the five next season. But I was wondering if we wanted to address that in the trade market. What would you guys think about like the defensive upside of Miles Turner versus the offensive upside of like a Christian Wood? Um, that's a very interesting question. Honestly, I think Christian Wood. I do believe in his defensive skills in a winning situation. Like I don't think it's a Hassan Whiteside um, thing where it's like. Uh, his defensive numbers look good, but, like, he's always, like, on bad defensive teams and some of that. Like, I do think if you put him in a winning situation, I like Christian Wood's tools defensively. I think he's just a better player than Miles Turner in general. Um, but I think Miles right now is undeniably more accomplished defensively. And, I mean, that's that's always a trade option, you know, the Raptors could try to, you know, because Indiana's, like, I just don't know what's the deal with Indiana. So they they fired their coach Nate McMillan, which by the way Nate is now coaching the Hawks, and the Hawks are doing really well. Just saw them beat the Bucks yesterday without Trey Young. Um, but you know Indiana's in ninth with uh, with with uh, Nate Bjorkren. They've won three straight, so that's nice. But they're like under five hundred. Um, the two centers, I still feel like it's still a little bit awkward playing the two of them. They're not being maximized, and like yeah, that that would always make sense as a trade uh, option. It's just really a question of what are you trading to Indiana to make that happen? Because you probably need to, I mean, you know, Miles is making 20 mil, so you probably need to put at least like 15, 16 million. Yeah. And the only contracts Raptors have in that range, unless you're going to bundle a few uh, players together to, in that trade, is like, like you're talking about OG, Fred, like one of those two guys. And I wouldn't trade either of those two guys straight up for Miles Turner, but who knows? Maybe you do like a Boucher plus something. I think the, the Pacers seem to love former Raptors. You know, uh, with the coach, with O'Shea Brissett, you know, shout out to him, uh, making real moves uh, with the Pacers. I think a, a double double the other day, signed three year deal. So that'd be interesting. I wouldn't, be, I would not be against Miles Turner. I think he would fit a lot of what the Raptors need in terms of rim protection, three point shooting from the center position. Do worry about the rebounding a little bit, but that's fine. I'll take two out of the three. Is he really for sale though? Like I know that there were rumors around the trade deadline. Trade deadline that passed that um, Miles Turner was available, but it, I don't know. It feels like every six months they're like, yeah, uh, Pacers are shopping Turner and nothing ever materializes. Mm. Like if, if they're, do they have really high demands for him? I don't know. I just don't, I'm not totally sure he's actually, um, he's actually out here. Yeah, no, that's fair to ask. I mean, you know, you hear, you hear things that you never really know what's necessarily true. Um, like what was the idea though? We're like, Oh Yeah. They're going to sign and trade for Gordon Hayward, and they're going to put Miles Turner in that deal. Which, by the way, the the the, the Celtics with Miles Turner would look pretty damn good. Just saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, that's a, that's a that's a fair question to ask. I think when you're trading with Indiana too, one thing I've noticed with them is they seem to really like acquiring players on long term contracts. Um, so they did, oh, yeah. they did it with yeah. T.J. Warren. They did it with Karis LeVert recently. Malcolm Brogdon was a sign and trade, but that was contingent on him actually tra- signing a four year deal. So I'm kind of counting that as well. They did it with Oladipo when they traded um, Paul George um, and Sabonis on a rookie deal. But like they really want players who are going to be on the team and who are under contract for a while. So that's that's one thing to note with Indiana. But he'd be interesting. I, I would not be opposed. Me neither. He leads the league in blocks Christian, this year, three point four. Man, that's pretty good. He's a great player. I just, I don't. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Is why is he always for sale? I think it's just, it's, it's just the, it, it's just the, the, the weird fit with, um, with uh, Sabonis. That's it. Sabonis. So, 
Yeah. We're going to get lottery from Toronto. So I want to talk about Kyle coming off the bench, man. See, I told you people really want to do this now. What's going on? <laughs> How's it going, man? Nice, uh, nice to be on the phone with you, William. What's up, Josh? What's up? Um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of guess get your guys' opinion on it. Um, I feel like the season is obviously dwindling down. Um, and it's about time that we know that little stretch we had when the guys were playing and now everyone's back. I just feel like Kyle just takes up so much attention and, you know, he does have the, uh, I guess, the longitude in the in, in the team, but it feels like the guys are just, they're less productive when he's back. I mean, I feel like they they feel less of a responsibility to sort of over the team. You know what I mean? It's like... Um, yeah. Yeah, like he's here and you kind of expect him to sort of carry this load. And I think that's not the right approach to take. I think... Um, I, th- I, w- I wish everyone could be aggressive at the same time. Like, I think Pascal loses some aggressiveness when Kyle's out there, for sure. Maybe Fred does a little bit, although Fred seems to play really well with Kyle as well. Like, I thought Fred played great in the Knicks game as the off-guard with Kyle as well. So, um, I see your point. I see your point. But you really want to bench Kyle, though? I, I wouldn't say it's a bench. In, I wouldn't say bench, but the minutes have to go down. Because if he's taking 30-plus minutes... There's no point of a guy like Malachi getting five, yep, and then what? Trent Trent gets what? Fourteen? Yeah, that's low. You know, it, it doesn't really help, especially a guy like Trent, who's he, he he's a he's a fire starter, so he needs to get shots up in order to get in the rhythm. Coming off the bench, he's not like a norm where he just has the activated switch. You know, I don't think he has that yet with the team. He hasn't been acclimated long enough. Well, yeah, even Norm struggled with the bench role, like. The last two games of Gary, where people have seen him come off the bench and he's been struggling, like that's pretty much what Norm did in that exact same role, and he gave you similar numbers. Yep, like yep. it's it's hard to get it started off the bench. Like it really takes like someone like Lou Williams to come in, you know, you know, have a, just a great rhythm, have a great confidence, just take a couple of jumpers, and all of a sudden you're in the game. Like you got to jump right in. And I don't think that a, a shooter yeah. like like Gary is not because you're asking him basically to, to create a lot for himself, and that's just not what his his game is primarily best. Um, based on right now, but um, that is true. I think you could just cut down Kyle's minutes. Like, uh, how much? Did, how many did Kyle play last the, the last game, man? Because you know it has thirty six. Yeah, see, thirty six. Like, he played a lot. Can you get it down to like thirty two? You know, and then you can fit one of those guys in. To be honest, Malachi, as long as Kyle is playing, Kyle and Fred are playing, he's just not going to get that many minutes. That's just what it is. Um, because yep, Mal- Malachi's skill set is not to the point where he can play off the ball. The way that like Fred and Kyle can coexist because they know how to move and they know how to play off the ball and get their shots right. that way. Malachi doesn't have that yet. So until he has that, he's not going to play because he's just not a better point guard than those guys. But I, I see your point with Gary, though. I don't like Gary playing like 14 minutes, 18 minutes. Like try to get him to like the 24 range. And the only way you're going to do that is you, you cut down yeah. some of Kyle's minutes. Or you go super small and play Gary at the three, which he can do. But it does kind of leave you a little undersized. Especially Portland looked terrible centers. when they did that. Yeah. Whenever Portland did that, they did that. fouled out by the first quarter. What's that? Oh yeah, I think it's fouled out first quarter. If he's playing the five, it's over. Yeah, I agree. It's it's not great for him. I don't know, man. It, the roster is unbalanced. Like I think that's the, the point. Like the roster is unbalanced, and I think that's something you address in the offseason. And that's probably why. Well, one of the reasons yeah, exactly. why Kyle yeah, yeah, yeah. so. But in the meantime, though, like, you know what I mean? Like, if the Raptors are that serious about making the play-in tournament, they're still going to rely on Kyle. He's, like, still one of the most productive players, I think, on the team, regardless of fit. I think you just kind of trust that he'll figure a way to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. yeah, if you're gonna like go down swinging, you would have to probably go down swinging with Kyle. That's just how it is. With Kyle, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, plus, he's just been here too long not to. I think you're sense. cutting into your like right, your, your leverage I, I a little bit. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Otter. I appreciate it. Say it again. Oh no, I was just okay. Gonna, guys, take care. Yeah, yeah, take care. Yeah, I was just gonna say like I think it cuts into your your leverage just a little bit in the off season. If let's say you want to sign and trade Kyle, for example, or let's say you want to have the threat of re-signing Kyle to make other teams maybe offer more in the sign and trade. Um, yeah, if you bench him now, like I feel like you're really signaling that for sure he's not coming back. You know what I mean? And you know who knows if that's like that significant, but I also don't want to lose any leverage for the off season. I also think if there's anyone like beating the drum of the play-in tournament, it's Kyle Lowry. He's too competitive, has real, like, I don't know, if Kyle's leaving at the trade deadline, it would have been predicated on um, his legacy. He's himself said he wants to retire Raptor, even if it's a one-day or whatever it is. He would be leaving the Raptors this season in order to compete for a championship. So if he has the opportunity to shock the world and upset the Nets... Um, he, there, there's no one in that locker room, I think more passionate about that opportunity than Kyle. So him giving up minutes so that Malachi can develop when they're still in the hunt for, um, the playing tournament and an opportunity to, you know, be on ABC at one o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday again, they're going for it. Jesus Christ. At least that's what, that's, that's my, that's my thinking. Kyle Lowry's minutes are probably not going to change until the season's out of hand and i don't like malachi you're a a rookie you're playing with the greatest raptor of all time if that kind of stunts your development i'm i just i can't be too upset about it i want this the organization to do right by kyle more than i want them to do right by malachi right now yeah that's fair i agree with you that's the thing like if I, i do see the roster imbalance just a little bit um but and I do see the long term implications because obviously you're looking at 22 year olds and Malachi and Gary as guys that you would want to have on the team moving forward, just with their timeline and things like that. But I don't know, man. You're not you're not benching Kyle. You're just not like I I see the I see the the argument and things like that. You know, it has some merit to me. Uh, just like I think any roster decision would have some merit. But like, bro, it's Kyle Larry, like. Let's just let's just yeah. Like, it's Kyle Lowry. Let's just chill for a little bit, man. Malachi, you know, you're be thankful you're not running missions. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> it is mad awkward that he's still on the team, though. <laughs> I still can't believe yeah, it... Kyle did that 30 minute Zoom interview with every single reporter um, in existence, and like I got the last the, question. The kid from the finals came back. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was that was me basically. <laughs> And I was like, yo, Kyle, man, I'm the last guy here, so I just want to say thank you like, for everything you've done. You know, you brought us to the championship. You brought us some great times. And he's like, yo, yo, come on, I'm not gone yet. And then, yo, he really came back, which was mad awkward, man. <laughs> I don't think I've asked him a question since. No, I think I asked him about Gary. But, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a strange, strange trade deadline. I'll say that much. And it continues to be strange to this point. But uh, let's bring in Jonas from Brampton. Away. Hello? Hey, hey guys. What's going on? Yeah, it's me. Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, you know, first time caller, long time listener. Appreciate it. Um, just wanted to ask. Just wanted to ask about the the upcoming uh, off season. Um, I wanted to ask about 
um, I had this, you know, this thought that maybe Bradley Beal, since, you know, we don't really have the trade assets for Bradley Beal, but maybe if we, um, maybe if we, maybe I had a feeling that uh, Masai Ujiri would, um, would be going to Washington and is there any scenario where uh, Washington could accept a trade offer for Masai and uh, we can get Bradley Beal? Wait, you want to sign and trade Masai for Bradley Beal? <laughs> no, not like a little, not literally a sign and trade, but like, like you know, like a wink, wink. Hey, we'll give you guys Bradley Beal if we can get Masai Jerry. No, Masai's not. Didn't... No, no, this is. I mean, first off, I don't even know if Masai wants to go to Washington. Ram picked for Doc Rivers when they got rid of. Uh, I mean, if he could... face. I mean, if he could get the stake, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Like, you might have to do that, right? If it, if, if Masai leaves over money, I'd be very disappointed in MLSC because they make enough money. I mean, yo, Rogers literally went down for a full day. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, you know, that's how much they have uh, Canada by the... Uh, I, I... By the by, you know. Yeah. But anyways, Honestly, um, for the last, for the last, yeah, go ahead. I mean, look, I think that's just not as realistic. Like Bradley Bill is like such a such. Like, he's going to lead the league in scoring this year, if not him or Steph. Like, he's averaging how many points is he averaging right now? He's averaging thirty-one points per game. Um, shooting forty-eight percent from the field. He's shooting. You know, he's obviously a good shooter from three as well. Like he's prolific, man. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. Even if you Masai goes the other way and then you put some actual pieces in and maybe put the lottery pick and all this other stuff, like that's just not going to be enough. It just it just isn't. No, like, of course. yeah, he's no, twenty seven too. Like he's of course, really I mean, young. We're gonna give... Okay, here's my here's the here's the offer. So we're gonna give you know first round picks to Malachi Flynn. You know maybe even sign and trade Gary Trent. Just a bunch of just a bunch of things on, on the table. But like, let's be honest, get. Bradley Beal has become kind of overrated. Like, don't get me wrong, I, we want him on the Raptors, but he, he he's not a, really a winner yet. So, like, you know, he's kind of become overrated, but you know, we still want him on the team. But my idea was, you know, Washington. I mean, Masai is that good, so to like where he could be traded for a star player. And I feel like all of the, the rest of the NBA knows. I don't. That. I don't think so. so be this, this, I mean, this has literally never happened. And I wouldn't. I know Masai's good, but he's not that good, man. Plus, if Masai goes to Washington, really, he's gonna bring really Masai. Yo, Masai's maximum first his his maximum value would be like a first round pick, maximum. And that'd be like you'd be if Masai left and you got a first round pick in return, that'd be like the best you could do. But you gotta think from Masai's perspective. Why would you go to Washington and then not have at least something to work with? Like, what are you gonna do in Washington at that point? Like, be a start your charity again and Abdia and trade like. Russell Westbrook, like it, it just doesn't sound that sexy. You know what I mean? Like, if Masai's going to Washington, he probably want to have Bradley Beal available so that you can maybe make that trade or build around him. I think that's, but yeah, no, yeah, I think we're overwhelming Masai, okay. man. I, I, we really are, man. No executive is worth that much. Like, no single executive is worth that much. Honestly, okay, okay, and uh, just one last thing. Um, what what would you say like a percentage breakdown of whether Masai stays or not? This offseason, I think he stays. Yeah, I think, he stays. I think it's short term deal, but I think he's gone uh, eventually, like before twenty twenty five. But 
He's here next season. Yeah, I think okay. like a two-year extension or something like that would make All sense. Right. Yeah. All right, thanks for the call, Jonas. All right, thanks you guys. Thank you guys. All right. Hello? All right. We are going to take our last caller of the day. We're going to get Matthew in from uh, Toronto. He wants to talk about the new centers. So what's going on, Matthew? Hey, well, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Matthew? Yes, um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, you and Josh about Ken Birch and Freddie Gillespie and see, like, um, what's the potential fit for them coming back another year? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably both be back. I think Ken obviously has an interest in playing for the Raptors. Of course, he's a free agent as well, so you never know for sure. But I think, you know, um, he clearly was interested in coming to the Raptors. He got a buyout for that reason, and he obviously came to Toronto. Toronto, So, like, yeah, he's probably going to be back. And then Freddie Gillespie, I mean, I think Raptors probably signed him to a, two, a 10-day uh, contract the rest of the way here. Or not 10, a, a two-way contract the rest of the way. They've uh, converted Utah. So they have another uh, two-way roster spot available. And that's probably the most prudent way to keep him. And then maybe you could look to re-sign him uh, if he continues to play well after next year. Something like that. But I think they'll probably both be back, to be honest. They've both done really well. So- Will, if the Raptors, so their two-way guys next year are going to be Gillespie and Watson, is Watson getting get going to get another two-way contract? No, so you can't sign a guy to two two years in a row on two, two-way two. contracts. So what you're going to need to do is either sign Watson or let him go. Um, yeah. But I, I think I so, think Gillespie's done enough that I would be pretty comfortable with him taking another two-way contract. And plus, once you convert him, you can free that spot up again, so... I think right now, you, you know, you would like to because you've seen some of these guys come up from the from the G League and getting multi year deals, right? You're seeing like um, OKC signed a guy from overseas to a multi year deal. Gabriel Deck, you saw um, what's his name? He signed uh, Alize Johnson was signing a three year deal. You saw uh, O'Shea Brissett, he signed a, a long term deal as well. Part of that is these teams had exceptions left. Uh, they either had cap space in the case of OKC, or they had. Uh, cap exceptions left that they're able to sign up to long year deals with. Um, and the Raptors didn't have any because we used all our exceptions on Alex Len and uh, Mr. Aaron Baines. I thought the Raptors had like two in two in a bit after the Baines. Or did that just go to Len? I think that went to either Len or Ben or something like that. But yeah, they don't have any more exceptions. So that's why they only signed Utah to a two-year deal. And that's probably why they can't sign Freddie Gillespie long-term right now. But... I don't like those long-term deals anyway, though. It's it's kind of exploitative, in a way. Yeah, because like Luke Dorn is signed to like a four-year, like two million dollar deal. Like that's ridiculous, man. Like, and the the team holds options throughout the whole thing. Like it's it's kind of unfair. You're really artificially limiting. You're taking essentially you're taking advantage of a player who doesn't have a contract and locking him into a really really artificially low contract. Like it's the kind of stuff that you see in baseball a lot, and I don't like it, man. It's you know, yeah, like, people are here to like work and make some money like let's say Lou Dort is fantastic for three years but then he hurts his knee god forbid but like what are you gonna do at that point you're just gonna cut him if you're OKC and you're gonna let him walk away with like not enough money to put a down payment in Toronto like get out of here man <laughs> anyway um yeah it, it, it is pretty troubling yeah all right Matthew yeah. 
Um, I, I've been really impressed by what what they those two players have been. So I think that yeah, if possible, I think I would probably want to bring them back. You know, I think it's kind of been you know overstated this year how much of a sore spot the center rotation has been, and. I think, and to be honest with you, I don't really blame like Chris Boucher for that because he's really exceeded everyone's everyone's expectation, in Absolutely. my opinion. Yeah. But guys like Baines and Len have, I would say, the nicest way I can say this does not perform to the expectation of the management of the Raptors. So I've been very happy with Freddie and uh, Ken, and I hope to see them next year. Agreed, Matthew. Thanks for the call. I have a good feeling you will. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Joshua. We're done with our calls, but uh, we're not done with the show just yet. Um, first off, I want to thank everyone who called in. That was really great. And Josh, our signature segment, Malachi is playing minutes kind of now. So Malachi's mission's got to be shelved. What are we doing? Are we going back to Stanley? What are we saying? I mean, I think it's got to be Stanley. Like, I yeah, I do feel uh, a little worried for my close personal friend, Stanley Johnson. Don't know what happens for him next. Well, I think he'll have a job, but I don't know if it'll be uh, one in the GTA. Yeah. Well, in any case, uh, let's do our Stanley suggestions. Um, Josh, what do, you, what do you have? I actually have two this week, and they're not like go outside for a walk and stuff like that. I've been giving some. That bad. seems like the classic William Lou. Go outside uh, for a walk, stretch your legs. You know, call your parents. I feel like I've told people to call their yeah, parents. Yeah, no, call your past. parents. Absolutely, call your parents, man. It's a lovely experience every time. Uh, and cherish your parents. That goes without saying, man. That's but keep true. going. An obvious suggestion, and it won't be my my only one, is um, if you are eligible to be vaccinated, go out and. Uh, um, get one. Um, it's going to save lives. Uh, I have like a someone in my world. Their parents were vaccinated, but both contracted COVID, and one of them had no symptoms, and the other was in and out of the or like the walk-in in an afternoon, and they're both fine now. So it's just really encouraging that mm-hmm. two people in their late 80s contracted this deadly disease and um, are doing fine now. In part, clearly to me being vaccinated so encourage everyone to check it out if they can um but for <laughs> my stanley suggestion this week i'm going to uh recommend again my favorite restaurant in the city drupati's uh in rexdale at the corner of 27 and westmore they are, their anniversary is coming up like they're starting to promote it again and i i i love that place i don't get to go as often as i'd like um, and I'm sure that uh, Stanley, if you're ever able to make one trip back to Toronto, I'm sure you will. You got to check it out. And when thinking about Rex earlier today, I wanted to support a business in uh, my home neighborhood in the city, and I wanted to recommend it. Yeah, that's that's it. Also, I've been watching so much Curb Your Enthusiasm, okay. and it's become my like post Raptors like cigarette viewing. Like if. The Raptors have a real tough performance. Just watch an episode of Curb take the edge off before going to bed. Um, so yeah, Drupadies and Curb are my two big recommendations this week. How about you? Uh, so my first recommendation is, well, both of them are things to watch. Um, so recently I watched um, Our Towns, which is a documentary on HBO, made by HBO, and it's, it's on Crave if you have Crave. 
Um, it's very good. It's an hour and a half. It covers uh, various towns across America and sort of looks at just sort of like how they're performing, sort of what issues they're dealing with. And it's a very like um, human lens at sort of what some of these issues they're facing and sort of like how they're coping with uh, industries, social problems. Um, and it, it's just a really good look, I think. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a very apolitical look, which I think it was a choice by the directors, but it was also, I think, that allowed more space to look at some of the tangible issues, like how are people de- dealing with people losing jobs? How are people dealing with addiction? Um, how are people dealing with, um, you know, just the the movement of people and things like that and trying to preserve their culture and trying to keep uh, their history and adapting and trying to move on. So that's a really great doc. It was really shot beautifully and I really uh, would recommend Our Towns. And then the other thing I would recommend is um, The Food Ranger on YouTube. It's I've been watching like probably like eight or ten of these videos. It's just like it's a white Canadian guy named Trevor. You can't really get more <laughs> more Canadian than that. And he's wearing plaid in many of these videos. But he's he's like going around parts of Asia and he's eating their food, going to have street food. For me, like he he's gone to like at least a dozen Chinese cities. So I've I've been really enjoying watching that. I'm I'm honestly like I'm learning a lot about my own culture. Seeing him take make these videos, he's very friendly. He actually speaks some Mandarin, which is actually fun. But he also goes to other places. He, he's up, you know, Pakistan, uh, India, Iran, Egypt, Malaysia, you know, Japan, Vietnam. So like it's it's a it's a very fun watch. And I think honestly, like in this time for us Canadians, when you really can't like travel for for leisure unless you're like mad rich, I guess. Um, yeah, like it's a great way to sort of see the rest of the world in a way and i always enjoy those kind of videos so it'll make you very hungry for noodles and uh, i'm probably gonna have noodles for lunch so josh that's pretty good yeah uh josh thanks for doing this as always man thanks to all the callers once again and um thanks to our producers working hard behind the scenes and uh we'll be back uh two mondays from now peace peace When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.